Welcome to the Pilot's Wife podcast, where today we welcome Christine Albertson. And boy, does she have a story. She is uh, first officer for American Airlines on the 737 flying internationally out of Chicago, about to transition over to the 787, where she hopes to fly with her father as a first officer. He'll be the captain uh, before this summer and before he retires. He's the one that brought her into aviation. It's a great family story. Her husband is also a pilot. We're going to talk about how she balances it all. She's also highly involved in the International Society of Women Airline Pilots, who just hosted a fabulous golf tournament and fundraiser to create scholarships to help other women in aviation. And it was designed in honor and in memory of Francesca Norris. And we'll share a little bit of her story. So buckle up and get ready and enjoy today's show. Wheels up, we're airborne. Welcome to the Pilot Wife and Aviation Podcast. I'm Jackie Almer, an aviation professional and pilot wife for over 30 years, and I'm your co-captain. I have some free resources to help you live your best aviation and high-achieving life at resources.pilotwifepodcast.com. Buckle up, stow your bags, and let's unpack the high-altitude life. So, Christine, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Jackie. Yeah, it's always fun to showcase women aviators, for sure. So, tell us a little bit about you. Let's just jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got into aviation, and a little bit of your background before that. Sure, sure. Um, well, yeah, like I said, thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. It's uh, really fun. I've never done anything like this before, so... Um, but my name is Christine. I um, am a first officer for American Airlines. I fly the 737 right now internationally out of Chicago. A um, little bit of background about myself. I, my dad flies for American. He's a captain on the 787. Um, I just got a love of flying just from him. You know, I think, I think actually he likes to tell the story that he brought me along on take your daughter to work day and let me start the engines. Um, not really, but, um, but I think it was when I was nine and I realized that I was going to lose my D2 benefits, non-rev benefits. And I was like, wait a second, what? I don't get to keep these forever. And so I was like, was riding on my tractor mowing the lawn. And I'm like, I have a brilliant idea. I'll just be a pilot. <laughs> But I actually do love it. One of the things that fascinates me about flying is how something so heavy can just be in the air and defy gravity. And it's just, it's just, even now looking at it, you know, if I'm, you know, sitting at in and out at LAX on short final and 747's coming, it's like, how is that possible? Like, how, how does that work? You know? So that's just something that really fascinated me just from a young age. You know, can um, I just say, I'm so yes. happy to hear you say that because I have been part of the aviation world for almost 40 years. I'm, it's crazy to even say that 30, so anyway, um, and I still feel that way. I still feel like it's magical. And it's like everybody, my husband included the pilot, you know, everybody has told me a million times how it works and it's, you know, this and that. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. It's not logical. 
that that much weight can get up in the air. I'm really glad that it does, but I still feel the same way. I still love to sit by the window yes, and look out and just marvel at, wow, I'm up here. So anyway, yes. thanks for, yes. thanks for sharing that. And thanks for still being super excited by yeah. just the pure magic of flight. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I was just, you know, this last trip, you know, I'm doing the walk around and I'm like, this thing is going to be flying at 500 miles an hour in 30 minutes. Like how, like just, how is that possible? You know, just with these little two and engines that are propelling it. So it's just, it's just, it's really neat. And so um, the fascination is still there. I'm still giddy when I see airplanes like you, I take the window seat just to look outside and everything. Um, yeah. So from a young age, I just had this interest in flying. Um, I went to, I ended up going to Southern Illinois University in their aviation program. Um, got all of my degrees while I was down there. While I was there, I actually was on the, um, the women's golf team and uh, got a scholarship to play division one golf. So um, I had made some really good friends, really learned a lot about time management and setting priorities and achieving goals and being a part of, of a team. So that was something that I'll always uh, hold dear to my heart. Um, but after that, I flight instructed at, at uh, Southern Illinois, just building time. Um, I never really had a desire to do military stuff. My grandpa was uh, in the Air Force um, and kind of exposed me to that a little bit. But I, I, have, I wear contacts, so I always thought, having, you needed to have perfect vision to be in the military. And I went to a women in aviation conference and the recruiter there was like, no, you can get waivers for just about anything these days. And I was like, oh, okay. So I looked into it. I came away from that conference and I said, dad, I think I'm going to join the military. And he's like, what took so long? So I guess he really wanted me to, there's a lot of really good opportunities, a lot of really good training. And um, so, yeah, I shotgunned my application out to about uh, 20 or so guard and reserve places around uh, the country. Um, those not familiar, the guard is like the Air National Guard, the Air Force, um, and like, or Air Force Reserves. It's essentially the same thing, just think of their funding in a little bit different places um, via Congress. But um, I got shotgun my application out. I interviewed at seven units and I was hired at three places for a pilot slot, two places to fly KC-135s. And I kept trying because I really wanted it um, to fly C-17s. And so that's what I, I, I raised my right hand and I, you know, made my commitment, uh, signed on the dotted line essentially, uh, signed my life away. And uh, it's been 13 years. So last week was 13 years that I've been in for. I went to pilot training um, with that, just Air Force pilot training, just all the same training that active duty goes through. Um, got all spun up on the C-17, went to survival training, um, which was fun. And um, after about a year or so, just doing kind of like the um, active guard type flying, um, got a lot of really good experience flying around the world. Um, I... I interviewed and was hired at SkyWest Airlines, a regional feeder for American, United, Delta, and Alaska Airlines. Uh, right off the bat, I got based in Chicago, which was where I live. So it was really, it was nice to not have to commute. Um, I was there for two years before uh, getting an opportunity 
to join American Airlines. And I was hired there in 2016, and I've been there for six and a half years so far. Uh, like I said, I'm on the 737 right now, but in this last bid, I got the 787. So I'm really excited to go to training here in the next couple months um, and hopefully get the chance to fly with my dad before he retires this summer. So that'll be the, that's the goal. That's what I started off at doing. I put the 787 bid request in on day one that I was here in February of 2016, and I just now got it. So um, the ball, the wheels are in motion, and I'm just hoping that I can get to fly with him and get to fly his retirement flight. So I'm really excited. That is very exciting. Very exciting. Now, you have other family members in aviation too, yes. right? Yes. yes. So I your husband. I'm, we'll go, we'll come to him, but I think you have yeah, brothers. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. I'm on the Pilot Wives podcast, so I am a pilot wife. So my husband, yes. uh, he is a pilot. Um, he uh, got got his start also at Southern Illinois. Um, uh, took a break for 14 years. Um, decided to do uh, pursue a career in construction. Um, he saw how much fun I was having at my job and decided to quit his construction job, pursue a career in aviation instead. After only having his private, we already had a family at this point. So we took out loans and he went to flight school and, um, and he is, uh, he was flying corporate, uh, for a couple of years and he just got, well, he was hired at Skywest airlines last year. So he's been with them for a little over a year. Um, but I also have a brother-in-law. My sister's husband flies at Envoy Airlines. Um, so it's really, um, he's on the 145 in Chicago as the captain. Um, so it's a really fun dynamic when our family gets together. Um, there's a couple people who feel left out since they're not pilots. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. what does everybody else do? They have to go in the other room and find yeah, another conversation kind of, piece. <laughs> yes. But um, it's also really fun because my mom myself and my sister are all in the pilot wives, the fun group. And we all have a good time talking about all the posts and um, the humor that's, that's in the group and all the friendships that there are and everything. So it's nice that we have that. And unfortunately my other sister's like, well, I want to join. It's like, well, marry a pilot. (laughs) There you go. I'll have to get the three of you on for a show. That would be really fun. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. (laughs) Yes, for sure. So, okay, boy, there's so many things to unpack here in the aviation world and in your family. (laughs) So how do you, well, first of all, is your husband, does he have the goal to come on with American as well? Yeah. So he has his applications out right now. Um, the goal is to get, um, to get based in Chicago. So he doesn't have to commute. So he's kind of, uh, there's a couple airlines that he's targeting uh, American being one of them. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the goal. You know, he, um, he was hired a year ago. He, uh, is hoping he has his captain upgrade requested. He hasn't gotten it yet. You have to have a thousand hours in the airline, um, flight time before you can go to captain school. So he's still waiting to get that. So once he's eligible though, um, he'll go and hopefully, you know, he can start being noticed by some of the major airlines. And where is he based now? In Chicago. Oh, so he is still in. So, okay. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, he could be based somewhere else. It's, it's just the, I've commuted. I commuted my first year here and, um, 
I don't know if I would want to have a career commuting, like maybe for a year or so if it was temporary. Um, but to like, you know, if he were to go to like Delta or Alaska, like that's like a whole career if you don't live in base and it's just, I don't know, it's just easier, especially if we're not working for the same airline, but we're hoping that I hope that he gets hired here. We'll just have to see. So, yeah. So how do you go about balancing? I mean, how old are your children and how many tell us about your family? Sure. I have, um, a 16 year old stepson. He, um, that I inherited from my husband. Um, he is 16 year old and he, he lives with us and, um, he's doing really well in school. We just did parent teacher conferences and we were almost like, wait, are you, are we sure we have the right kid here? He's turning in classwork. So, cause he doesn't, he, doesn't, he always tells us he doesn't have any homework when he comes at home at night. So we're like, wait, he's turning it in. He's getting good grades. He's a pleasant joy to have in class and a social butterfly. So, um, so he's really great. Um, also just started driving. So that's kind of a, a different dynamic too. has a job. So, um, he's a great kid, but I have of my own, I have, um, my son, Tyler, who is four and a half and Bradley, who is two. So it's three boys. Um, and they are, the little ones are a lot of fun. So we'll just leave it at that. They're little boys. <laughs> So well, I hope you have some good girlfriends. You've got a lot of testosterone floating around you between your, you know, your career, because it's still yes. primarily male dominated. So, yeah. Well, you asked the question about how you balance everything. And I think I kind of always fall back on, you know, my college days of, you know, having to set priorities, checklists, just like we use in the airlines, um, reaching your goals, time management. It's a lot of those same things, but just on a different um, level. Um, I know a lot of people ask how we manage our schedule. Some, you, you'll hear some dual pilot spouses either bid the same schedule or opposite schedules, but then they never see each other. We just kind of bid what, what it is right now. He's still really junior, mostly working weekends. You know, and if we're home at the same time we are, and if we're not, then, then, then we just aren't. So, but we eventually get you know, we do meet up and I do see, feel like we do see each other quite a bit each month. Um, my mom and dad um, live four minutes from us via car. So just the one neighborhood over. Um, so that's been really helpful to have when we are both working. Um, and just recently this year, um, in June of this year, we um, welcomed an au pair to our family. She is from Mexico. Her name is Nadia. And um, she's also really wonderful to have. You know, you can ask au pairs to do child-related items um, and tasks. So, like, I kind of say, okay, you're you're going to take the lead on the kids' laundry. That way, once I get home, I know their laundry is done, and I can do mine and not have to worry about that. We also kind of had it from the get-go um, set up that um, for her to drive and the kids to school and pick them up from school and daycare. And then just like, that's, that's just what the expectation is. And then if we're home, then we'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, but just knowing that, you know, if we get delayed or schedules change or reassigned or whatever, that we have a constant, I'm not scrambling at, at the last minute to try to find childcare or who's going to pick the kids up, who's going to get them to swim lessons or who's going to do this. You know, I just have a constant. It's really a big stress reliever for me. And, um, Somehow we've exposed her to 
too much aviation because <laughs> she's expressed that she wants to be a pilot. So oh. she's actually started taking flight lessons. She's done a, a discovery flight and uh, taken a couple lessons, joined some of the, um, the, the women pilot organizations to be a part of. We applied to a whole bunch of scholarships. So hopefully we hear something good in the next couple months so that we have some funding for this. <laughs> As we all know, flying is expensive. So uh, she's working out really well and is really great with the kids. They really love her. And uh, she's just another member of our family at this point. So I do have that. I know you talked about testosterone. So I do have that to kind of help balance. And I have another friend here too. Very good. So just to, uh, I'd love to ask a couple questions about that because I know this could be super helpful to, mm -hmm. you know, just dual career couples in general, not just aviation, mm -hmm. but um, what is that like having somebody actually move in with you? I'm assuming she's there full time um, mm -hmm. unless she chooses to go or do something. So talk a little bit about that and the transition that is involved with that. So um, the au pair program is like a, a Department of State program. They're here on a J-1. It's a, technically a tourist visa. Um, they have to take a couple education classes during their time here um, of their choosing. Um, however, um, we, you ha we have to give her a, a private living space. So she actually, this is, I'm in my basement right now. My husband actually, like I said, he was in the construction industry. So he finished our basement a couple of years ago going to say you have a beautiful basement yes <laughs> um he designed it and finished it and everything um but she has a room uh down here and um without turning the camera around too much there's a nice um uh, ping pong table foosball table uh there's a bar right behind me um that's only one tv there's another tv just right over here i don't know i guess guys in sports they got to have multiple tvs um, but a nice big comfy couch, a nice, the nicest bathroom in the house because <laughs> it's all new stuff. Um, and there's just plenty of space down here. You know, it's another 1500 square feet of living space, essentially. Um, we also have a door that goes with stairs that go directly to our garage. So she can come and go on her time off um, without feeling like she's interrupting our family. Most of the time she just uses the upstairs door though. Um, to say hi to us and everything. Um, but um, in terms of moving in, it was an initially just, it, it took about a week or two just to kind of get her in the hang of like what our, what our schedules are. I didn't really work that much during that time frame. Um, but how, you know, we get the boys ready and get them up and bedtime routines and where they need to go. Um, we drove with her. So she actually has an Illinois driver's license and we we have a vehicle for her to drive um, as well with car seats already in there and everything. Um, but she, um, we can, the, for, for the program, we can have her work up to 10 hours a day and up to 45 hours a week. And we have to give her at least one weekend off a month and each week a day and a half off uh, consecutive. So it doesn't matter where you put it, but. Um, and for the most part, we work together. How I do it is normally when I'm either at, at the hotel or on the road or whatever, um, I'll pull out my phone, we share a Google calendar. And it's really convenient because I can just go in and I basically select what times I want her just based on our schedule that next week. And I post it for her, say schedules up for next week. On, so I usually I have an alert 
to have it to her by Sunday so that she knows what to expect for the next week. If she has any requests, like I said, my mom and dad do live a couple minutes away and they're more than willing to help out. I just didn't want to put that all on my mom. Um, you know, I kind of wanted my, my mom um, to have a grandparent relationship with my kids and not a authoritarian relationship, like not the one that's like, you know, essentially raising them and teaching them discipline. Like I want my kids to be go over to grandma's they call her Rams. My oldest one couldn't pronounce the G for Grams. So it just became Rams. Um, but they go over to Rams's house and, you know, I want, I want her to be like, well, I don't want this, but I kind of do be like, here, your mom's not looking here. Take this chocolate. You know, I want that kind of relationship. Not like, don't eat, don't eat, you know, all this candy before, you know, right. before dinner or before bed or whatever, you know, they, you know, they're kids. I want them to have that kind of stuff. So that's kind of why I brought someone else in, um, just to kind of help do the, the stuff that is just kind of not as fun. So, but I can have, um, my au pair be on from usually from 7am to 8.30, get them off to school. Then she's off during the day and then got back on at 2.30 to 8.30 bedtime. And then if we're home, you know, we release her early, you know, if we want to go over to our friend's house, you just say, all right, you're, you're done for the day. You know, we don't, we don't really need you if we're both home. Um, but you know, it's just kind of always like a backstop. Like I have that just in case. Um, and it just is a really, it's a stress reliever for me knowing that. And, um, yeah, she's here. Like I said, if something happens and unless she has plans immediately afterwards to go out, like if my flight is delayed or whatever, then, you know, usually I can have my mom or someone come over, but a lot of times she doesn't. So, and I don't, I don't work her to the max each week either. So I've got a little yeah. flexibility too. Yeah. That so. always makes it easier with anybody. It's like, well, if you have extra time off and that, <laughs> you know, when there's flexibility, it's so much easier to say, Oh, don't worry yeah. about it. I got it. You know, it's the yeah. way it goes. So very yeah. good. And cool. we're really supportive with like her, like flying and, you know, bring her along and we brought her on vacations already so far. So it's like, you know, if you respect them, they respect you and you're all working towards a common goal and you're all living together. So yeah, it's working out so far. That's great. That's awesome. So you are one busy lady. Let's move into another area that you're actively involved with um, the international society of women, airline pilots. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that. Tell us about the program, what it does and how you got involved with it. Yeah, so I um, have been, uh, um, it's shortened for ISA, it's shortened as ISA plus 21, ISA plus 21. Um, but I've been an ISA member for um, probably seven years now, since before I was at American. Um, and really, I went to the Women in Aviation uh, Conference, and they had a booth there. So I was like, oh, I'm an airline pilot now, let me sign up. And um, didn't do anything with it for a couple of years until a couple of years later, my uh, friend of mine was like, hey, you know, we're looking for new um, motivated people to join our board of directors. Are you interested? And I wasn't quite sure at the time, but, you know, after meeting a couple of the ladies, I was like, this is a really good group of ladies and they have a good mission and a really cool history. So um, I joined the board of directors as their secretary. Um, and I thought it was just taking minutes. <laughs> it turned out not to be. Um, <laughs> their meetings. Um, 
So I, um, in the process, we have basically our goal is to um, be the global voice to inspire, support, and advocate for women airline pilots around the world. So inspire, it's an I, support, it's an S, advocate, it's an A, so ISA. Um, we've got our letters in there in our mission statement. Um, and we, um, we raise money for scholarships. We've given away over $1.4 million in scholarships since the 80s. Um, and um, we just help connect, connect women. And, and really in our organization, you have friends, you know, there's not very many uh, really, women only represent less than 6% of the population of pilots. Um, in my town, I know there, I, I happen to know that there's a couple female pilots, but I can only think of two female pilots in my town. Um, but, you know, with ISA 21, you have friends all over the world. You know, you have people who are in your same profession, who are experiencing the same things as you, going through the same training. You know, once you become a, a mom, you know, are navigating maternity leaves just like just like you, and you just have wonderful resources and friends essentially. So, it's a social organization, but we also do a lot to give away for scholarships to help women achieve their career goals as well. That's awesome, and I know you've worked with Beverly Bass, who has her own kind of claim to fame for a number of reasons. Um, Tell us a little bit about that, working with her and and uh, and and the other group of women who are part of the founders and mm -hmm. and the presence and the and the role that they've played for you as a mentor into others. Yeah, so Beverly is one of our founders. Her and Stephanie Wallach. Um, uh, Stephanie was at Braniff. Uh, Beverly was at American. Uh, Beverly was the fourth female pilot at American Airlines and the first female captain. Um, they were both based in New York, and um, at the time, there weren't very many females out there. This was 1978. Their doorman was actually said something to her and was like, hey, you know, there's another lady pilot in this building out of all of New York, all of New York. They happened to live in the same building, and the doorman connected them. And so they're like, hey, we should, we should see if there's more of us out here. I mean, this is before the time of social media. There were telephones, but I mean, it wasn't like you just had easily accessible. Right. So her and uh, Stephanie sat down, wrote letters, handwritten letters to chief pilots at all of the airlines that they knew of and said, can you please deliver this letter to any females that you have working for you? And basically it was an invitation to come all meet at a, um, at a conference in Las Vegas in May of 1978. And they didn't know how many were going to show up. And to their surprise, 21 ladies, that, that letter did get from the chief pilots to 21 ladies. 21 of them showed up. And that's why ISA plus 21, the 21 is uh, signified from our charter members. So um, a lot of those members are still pretty active in the organization today. They don't take um, like a leadership role, but more of a mentorship role. Um, and provide good insight to us young, um, younger members. Um, but yeah, just at this last conference, there were four charter members um, last year. This last conference, we went to Dublin, which is really neat. Another thing we like to do, we don't just have our conferences like at one location. 
since this is an international organization, mm-hmm. we like to kind of alternate between a U.S. location and and an international location. Most of our members are from the United States, but we don't want you know to deter any of our international members from always having to travel. You know, so we like to kind of um, to spread it out, and it gives us an opportunity to hang out together too in cool abroad places. Um, the year before that, we were uh, last year we were in Atlanta. Um, it's kind of scrambling at the last minute. We were supposed to be in Dublin, but the borders were closed because of COVID. So two different charter members came to that one. Um, the year before that was like right when COVID was happening. We were and that was in Louisville, um, Kentucky. Um, the year before that, we went to Sydney. The year before that, it was in Las Vegas for the 40th 40th anniversary. So you can see we go all over the place. The year before that, it was uh, Toronto, I believe. So yeah, it's just a lot of really cool places. So um, uh, Beverly and I have become uh, really uh, good friends. I've gotten to the um, pleasure to fly her. Uh, she was a passenger of mine twice believe um and you know she's really uh, a really wonderful lady um with her um her role in come from away the broadway musical um she's just been really involved with that and it's just it's really it's really neat to see all of the females the women pilots come together to see that too because we all kind of are like we are beverly and that the song that that they sing about her. So um, it's like, we all know um, exactly what that, that feeling is like and everything. So she's just a wonderful role model. And for anybody listening who doesn't know Beverly Bass and, and come from away and the story, um, all you have to do, and I'll put it in the show notes, but if you just go Google Gander 9-11 Beverly Bass, you will find it. Um, she was one of the, one of the women who ended up after 9-11 landing in Gander. And if you haven't heard the story, it's so worth reading. And and she's now has a play come from away um, that's Broadway and it's toured all over. But it really is about how that community came together to take in um, the crews, the passengers. So many, I can't remember how many airplanes ended up there because everybody deviated 38 38 airplanes. So you can Mm -hmm. imagine with crew and passengers and all of that, that community truly opened their arms and welcome people into their homes. Uh, and, and it was, it's quite a story. So um, I will put that in the show notes, but for anybody listening, thinking, I don't know who Beverly Bass is, what's Gander about. Um, if you're in aviation, you most likely know, but um, we'll put that in there anyway. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So with um, Isa, you mm-hmm. all just completed something really fabulous. Um, I think it was the first golf tournament for Francesca Norris. Tell us a little bit about Francesca's story and the golf tournament, and let's talk a little bit about the goals and what you all just accomplished. Yeah, so this was um, something that we've never done before. Uh, One of our members, uh, Victoria Hendrick, um, approached the board of directors and said, hey, I was a friend of Francesca Norris. And just to rewind a little bit, um, in 2019, um, Francesca Norris um, was an aspiring aviator, brilliant instructor, beautiful person, inside and out. Um, she was killed in an aircraft accident um, at the Denton 
airport outside of Dallas, Texas. And once that happened, um, Beverly living just a couple miles away from there was like, oh my gosh, this brilliant um, aviator that everyone loved. We need to do something. We need to start a scholarship. At ISA, we don't really have any need. We didn't really have any main scholarships, but Beverly was like, I want to get this going, you know? So, um, so uh, kind of kickstarted um, the, uh, the collection of funds for the, the Francesca Norris Memorial Scholarship. And after that first year, um, us, the um, International Society of Women Airline Pilots and women in aviation from the money that they collected. Because a lot of times people just give money to an organization in honor of and memory of, um, but they were able to put those funds um, allocated and us together, we were able to um, award five scholarships, $5,000 each, um, over $5,000 each to, to women pursuing um, advanced ratings. So their instructor ratings, multi-engine, I think there was even a commercial uh, girl in there too. Um, and so that pretty much depleted what had been raised. Um, but you know, some of her friends and um, some of her family members wanted to keep her memory going. And um, so we've partnered with um, the flight school that she was teaching at, US Aviation Academy. Um, we've got a couple, we had a couple other donors. Beverly actually won an, an award from the points guy, the online blog guy, um, and awarded her $50,000 to the charity of her choosing. She, and she chose um, ISA plus 21, obviously, and earmarked uh, some of that money specifically for the Francesca scholarship. So we've had funds to kind of keep this going. Um, but one of her friends, Victoria, approached the board and was like, I'm going to keep this going. You know, we want to, you know, honor her memory. You know, I guess Victoria spoke with her the night before they were texting the night before her accident, um, which is so tragic. And so Victoria's like, I think we should do a golf tournament. It's like, okay, cool. Are you a golfer? Well, no. Well, have you put on a golf tournament? <laughs> no. I was like, okay, well, I have. Let's team up. Um, and Victoria was just absolutely wonderful, had wonderful ideas of how to uh, recognize our sponsors and our donors, uh, great ways to um, bring in money. And so we put on this golf tournament. Um, the field was larger than what we um, were expecting. Um, we initially reserved 72 slots on the golf course and we ended up having a 90 player field. Um, it was a four person golf scramble. Um, and through donations and sponsorship, we brought in over $50,000 and it was just, the, I think it was probably one of the biggest, um, single event, um, events that ISA has put on, has, has brought in at any one point to go into our, the scholarship fund. So this one specifically went for the Francesca Norris, um, fund. And so we have, um, we have enough to give away. The last couple of years, the first year we gave away five because that was pretty much all that we had. Um, and each year after that, we've given away two. So we have more than enough to continue giving away um, two, one, three, I don't know, for the next couple of years. The, the ISA 21 scholarship team really, um, they select and make sure people are qualified 
for what they're applying for and um, puts together all the applications and packages. And I'm not sure when you're, you're, this podcast is gonna go live, but anyone who is interested in a scholarship, our deadline is November 1st each year. So- Oh, it'll um, be live before then. Okay, good. Okay, we can get your scholarship applications in real quick. Um, ISA21.org is the website. Um, but um, yeah, it was really successful. Not only did we have uh, sponsorships and just donations, we had a raffle um, that brought in a lot of money and you were very generous in giving away one of your wellness packages. I put a bunch of my raffle tickets in there, but I didn't get pulled. So. <laughs> well, darn it. We can still get you one. <laughs> yes. Maybe next year. <laughs> you <don't even> get- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but it was a wonderful event and um, we're, we, I think we will be doing this again next year. And I know people, um, I, I'm pretty sure people were happy with how it turned out. Yeah. The pictures look amazing. Very fun yeah. and perfect day and everything looked it like was, it really it lined was up. It was, it was, you know, towards the end of October, but it, in Dallas, it was 80, I think the high of 89 degrees, just a little windy, you know, 15 miles an hour. Um, but it's just a really beautiful day to, to honor Francesca. And I did not, and some people ask, I did not know her. I did not have the opportunity to meet her, but I have become very dear friends with her, her mom and her dad and her family. And again, just a wonderful family. They really lost a beautiful soul. And um, so at least we can do what we can to help her memory live on. Yes, definitely. And, and go on to inspire others other yes. women in aviation too, to follow in her footsteps, at least along that path for sure. So it's yeah. a beautiful thing that you're all doing. Yeah. And you just kind of threw that together in your spare time. Cause you clearly don't have a whole lot of other stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, the time management really comes into play a lot. You know, I don't want to take away from time at home with the kids, you know, when they're outside of school. So I do a lot of stuff on layovers or when they are in school and then, you know, having a, having boundaries and setting that um, so that when they are home, you know, you can focus your energy on that and, you know, really turning stuff off um, is really important too. So you're not like ignoring your kids or anything. What a brilliant use of your time on layovers too, because there's nothing quite like the clarity that you can get when you're in a hotel room Mm -hmm. away from everything, no distractions, no dishwasher, kids, homework, none of it you can just really focus on those things. So it's a, it's a great way to really take advantage of time that yeah. w- might otherwise be wasted, you know, watching yeah. TV or and, whatever. You know, I have, a, I have, a, I have a couple of friends and you know, I remember one of them saying something, you know, cause like you have a lot of people ask, Oh, your mom, your pilot, you're always gone. How does that, how does that work? How can you, how can you do that? You know, like how I would miss my kids too much, you know, but I think that just growing up with a dad who was an airline pilot um, just showed me that it is possible for a parent to do that. I, there's a guy in my new higher class at Sky West and he was just, he was really worried because he had just had a baby. And I was like, I remember like, you're, you're in a perfect position right now because I remember by the time I remember like, when my dad was coming home from a trip, like that was like the best day that there was. Like we got to run and he was in his uniform and 
like we may have been scrambling like 20, 30 minutes before that, picking everything up and, you know, dad's coming home, you know, like he's, he just got off the interstate. Um, Clean up the mess. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Scramble Everybody <mode>. act normal. <laughs> yeah. And we might do that right now still with my husband and the kids. Um, but like, I remember, I specifically remember I was in second grade finding out that like, cause my dad would be gone for like three or four days and then home for three or four days. I specifically remember the moment when I found out that other kids' dads were home all the time. And I just thought that was so weird. I was like, what? Why would they be home all the time? Like, what do you, I just remember thinking that that was just so weird. So it really just becomes part of the normal routine. And like, you know, they say distance makes the heart grow fonder. And that's how he felt every single time that he came home, you know, like it was, it was exciting. Sometimes he flew over the house and, and flashed the landing light and like that kind of stuff was like really cool. And now as a mom, I've got friends who ask or want to know. And I actually had one friend, you know, who's a teacher and she's like, you know, man, I, I, I'm kind of jealous of your schedule because when you are on layovers, you get to some time to decompress. And when I'm home again, like I'm home and I can just focus on them, you know, when they're home from school and that's what I got. I don't have to worry about decompressing myself once they're home. Um, you know, cause if you, if you take a regular nine to five mom or any parent, you get the kids and it's all scramble mode and you get them out and now you're going to work. And then by the time you get home and you get them, you only have a couple hours in the evenings and then you have weekends. So really each day, even though you're home, like you really only have like a couple hours on either side of school when it's all said and done. And a lot of it's kind of stressful when you're eating too, um, you know, cause you're just trying to get ready for breakfast or bed or whatever and yourself. So it was just a different take on it. And then, you know, you can use time on layovers to like get your nails done or, or just sit on, in quiet and watch TV, you know, like, and just not have to do anything too. So anyway, it's just, it's a different way to look at it and, and just have some alone time. Cause I think everyone deserves some alone time, you know, by Absolutely. You know, I, I love all the airline isms, but you have to put your own oxygen mask on first, really. And truly mm -hmm. you can't pour out of an empty cup. And I, I so agree with you, you know, being married to a pilot for 30 some years. And, and I look at my own kids. I mean, for me, I was in aviation, then married into it. So it wasn't a weird lifestyle for me. I, I hear some of the pilot wives. And in fact, I just, the, the previous podcast before this one, um, that's one of the topics on there. It's like, I'm not, you know, I'm engaged, but I'm not really sure that this life is for me. And I'm thinking, you're crazy. You don't even understand yet how fabulous this life can be. If you choose to look at the positives versus the negatives. And there's so many positives about it. Yes. When they're gone, they're gone. And yes, the, you know, hot water heater breaks. As I say that mine is being replaced, um, but he's home, you know, I mean, yeah. there's just so many things that it, that stuff happens, but it happens in other careers too. But if you don't realize all the benefits of this one, you're, you're so missing out. And I think of my kids, same thing. It's my daughter, even now she's 27 she is so not, well, neither one of my kids have traditional jobs. My son's in the Marine Corps, but neither one of them have ever wanted to fit into that eight to five model because they never grew up with parents that lived that. 
I've had my own business, been an entrepreneur, called my own shots. And, you yeah. know, he was a pilot. And so for them to even understand that early, you know, the the early morning, not that we didn't have some mornings that we had to shuffle, but just totally different, totally different. Yeah. And I, I remember when my daughter graduated college and she went to work for a real estate agency doing social media and marketing and stuff. And she called me about a month later and said, mom, this big girl job stuff, I don't know. They want me to be at work at eight o'clock. Monday through Friday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh, wow, that's yeah. really something different. Nobody's ever been asked to do that. But it was just so funny because I was like, well, of course, that's not her norm, you know, yeah. just not her norm. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. So tell us a little bit about some of your plans and goals. Obviously, you've got the 787 gig coming mm -hmm. up. You've got your military stuff. Um, what, what do you see? And, and, and you're into leadership, you're into so many of those skills and, and the good stuff that you've gleaned coming up through your, your whole life and your experiences. Tell us what is in your future. What do you see? Oh, I don't know. Um, I didn't mention this before, but I, in my spare time, <laughs> I do have a little side business that I do. I, um, have my drone license and I do drone photography and so I really hadn't been able to grow that. I, I really just did it. I was just like taking pictures of real estate houses. And a lot of times I'd bring the boys with me and, you know, just stand by the car and let them push the button, you know, to actually take the picture once I got the drone in place. Um, but, you know, now that they're off in school, I can kind of uh, grow that business. I have a business partner and um, who works as an air traffic controller at O'Hare, which is really cool. So we have some, actually some really cool shots of like the O'Hare control tower on our website and everything. So I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like doing, um, I really love photography. So I, it's a really neat way to kind of combine the two. Um, I put videos together, um, of that kind of stuff. Um, so I hope to grow my business a little bit more. Um, my dad, are, we currently have three family airplanes, um, that he keeps at a hangar just outside Chicago. And, uh, recently, uh, he has said that it's kind of interesting, but he's like, I've never seen, um, my airplanes fly. Like he hasn't seen them fly because he's always been the one flying them. And he's always the one giving airplane rides. And he's like, I really want you guys, you know, me, my husband, my brother-in-law to learn how to fly these. So, so that, you know, he can see his planes fly. He can, he doesn't have to always be the one giving rides. So, um, a couple months ago, I started training with him, on one of our, one of the airplanes. Um, and so I, I'm hoping that I can, I can continue training. And the, the thing is you have to, in order to fly these airplanes and fly other passengers, you have to go on the insurance and they're small, they're tailwheel planes, but in order to go on the insurance, you have to have 10 hours with a CFI, a certified flight instructor, but he's never had anyone fly his planes, you know, or, or to bring in another, you know, pilot. I don't know. So he ended up getting his CFI recently. He had it back in the eighties or the seventies, but he just now got his CFI again last month. And so I think we're going to restart the training and I'm going to hopefully get to solo those planes. Um, two of, it's actually kind of cool. Um, 
two of the planes he restored. So basically they, they were in an aircraft accident. He bought them once they were in like a million pieces and took a couple of years to restore them. He entered them up at the Oshkosh restoration competition and ended up winning um, a Lindy. That's like the, the award for the vintage um, or really any of the aircraft competitions up there, but he won a Lindy for the restoration for two of them. The other one, um, and those two are like, like one of them is an open cockpit plane, biplane with a big old radial circle, circular engine. And it's, it's beautiful. It's red and cream colored. And it's just, it's really cool. Um, it's also really intimidating because it's like, <laughs> I don't want to mess anything up, you know, cause it's an award-winning plane. He puts so much of himself into it and it's just beautiful. So um, I will eventually get to fly and get all checked out in that one. The one that we're currently doing our training on is kind of, it's a Belanca Scout, which is a little bit larger than a Piper Cub. Um, it seats one in front of the other um, tandem. And um, it was actually, um, he found it um, after, okay, so it was actually his family plane back in the 70s. They, he used it to build um, flight time towing gliders over the Southern California desert. Um, after a few thousand hours of doing that, he was able to move on to bigger and better things in his career. The family, his family sold the plane. And, um, and now after, you know, he's had a whole career of flying and has a little bit extra money, wants to go find this plane. And he did, um, he was able to purchase it back in 2020. He wanted to restore it, but the owner um, had already started it by the time that he got it. It was just about finished. Um, so it was really special when um, my mom, he, he asked if I would go pick it up with him. And uh, I was really special when my mom's like, oh, he's really happy you're going to get it with, you know, we're out the door going to the airport that, you know, that morning. And she's like, it's really special because he went with his dad to go pick it up from the factory. And now you're bringing it home with him. So I got to sit in the seat that he sat in when him and his dad got to get it. So it's just really neat. We've got a really cool family, um, family heirloom. I don't know if that, what, what exactly you would call it, but we have three planes. They all fit in the hangar. They're all tailwheel. And um, I'm hoping that in this next year, I can get checked out in two, at least two of them. That's my goals. So. Wow. What a great story. Yeah. That's awesome. And some great goals for sure. I love it. Yeah. So any final thoughts that you have for inspiring other women in aviation? What words of wisdom do you have? Um, well, it's definitely possible. There's with more of us, you know, one of my mentors in, in ISA 21, she uses the phrase, if you, it's hard to be what you can't see. You know, if you don't see someone like you doing something, it's hard to imagine yourself in that role. And I don't think... I ever had a problem with that, but I can definitely see that because I just was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. These planes are so heavy and they're so big and I want to fly them. Um, but, you know, it is possible. It's possible to 
be a woman and be a pilot. It's possible to be a mom and be a pilot. I know that's a lot of, a lot of questions that we get, you know, how can you do this? Um, and you know, the schedules, they are what they are, but you know, if you're, if you're, besides, if you're a stay at home mom, you're going to have a work schedule, you know, you have to make money somehow. So, um, I would say don't give up, keep fighting. Um, the sky's really the limit. I know these are all really cliche um, things, (laughs) um, but you know, it's possible, you know, my, I mean, case in point, like my au pair, she's making, you know, 35 cents, $2 an hour in Mexico goes flying in an open cockpit biplane. And it's like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, there's opportunities out there. You never thought that you would have, um, just get involved, get other female mentors, whether it's with ISA 21, you, there, we have a free aspiring membership. If you just want to be a female airline pilot, you can sign up for free, get a newsletter, get announcements of scholarships, that kind of stuff. Um, there's other wonderful organizations like Women in Aviation, the 99s that provide really good mentorship and other resources. There's a Girls in Aviation Day, um, you know, usually once a year that women in the organization that's Women in Aviation put, put on. But just get involved, meet someone. If you don't know someone, you know me. So reach out and I can connect you with someone either in your local area or, or myself. So um, we need we need to more women in the cockpit to represent and uh, we hope that it can be you. Very good. Well, Christine, thanks so much for taking the time yeah. for sharing all this and your crazy busy schedule. Um, I'm sure your boys will be getting home soon if they're not already. And yeah. I'm sure they're clamoring for your time. So we will. I will get this edited and up so that it can get out there. I will make sure that you have the link to share it too, so mm-hmm. that we can hopefully get some people applied for that scholarship, for those scholarships yeah. and in that program and, and at least get the wheels turning on that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show today. It's, it's really an an honor to be able to, to speak about not only my background, but all the wonderful things that the organizations that I am a part of are doing and all the initiatives. Yes. And thank you for your service. Also, I don't know if I said that, but having a kid in the military, I, that's important to me. Yeah, I, I agree. So, well, thank you so much. Do you ever find yourself on the struggle bus with relationships, career, or life in general? I'm a mindset and peak performance coach helping women rediscover their own sense of identity and purpose, avoid turbulence, and put their own oxygen mask on first. Together, we work to get you out of autopilot and create a better flight plan for life and relationship success. As a pilot wife for over 30 years, I've navigated thousands of miles and moments in aviation, mommyhood, business, and life in general. I would love to offer you a free call to see if I might be able to help you too. You can go to coach.pilotwifepodcast.com. And if you have a topic suggestion or a story to share on the show, go to ask.pilotwifepodcast.com. And of course, you'll find all of this at resources.pilotwifepodcast.com please take a moment to review and rate the show on whatever your favorite podcast app is. 
This helps the show get found by others who need what we have here. And you might win some fun swag for your troubles. I'll see you on the journey. And thanks for listening.